Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. And I'm Thad Haight. And today we're going to be talking about the latest Mission Impossible film, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. By just coming out, we mean we literally left the theater today having just watched it, so it's going to be a kind of no-notes conversation about our takes on the movie. And we totally aren't recording this a year after the last published episode of the podcast. We commented a couple times that it'd be funny if we managed to delay things to the point where we released the all-out <laughs> episode right before this movie. So we managed to do Worked it. Worked out perfectly. Just like we planned. Yes, exactly. So I think when we did uh, No Time to Die, we did a little bit of just kind of overall talk, and then we did a spoiler warning and got into spoilers. So I think maybe we want to do the same thing. Sure. So what was your what was your thought on the movie, just generally? I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. It was long. I wasn't looking at my watch much, probably because there was so much going on that it doesn't really sag because there's... I <laughs> looked at my watch like three times. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I usually do that when watching any movie. Yeah. But still. Usually it comes down to like either... Because I go to a theater where you can order from your seat and it's, mm -hmm. you know, do I have time to make put in another order or, you know, or it's, <laughs> or it's down to bladder control. Uh, like... How, how much yeah, longer do I have to I go? Was, <laughs> I um, was uh, definitely in a little bit of uh, discomfort by the end of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie come, clocks in at two hours and 43 minutes, according to IMDb. I think that's the longest one we've had so far, except maybe I think the next one's supposed to be even longer. The Wu cut of Mission Impossible 2 would have been longer. It would have been, but that doesn't exist, so... Only in our minds yeah. and our hearts. Yeah. That's pretty much the only joke I remember from <laughs> when we did the Mission Impossible episodes was the Wu Cut. <laughs> Release the Wu Cut. It's just more slow motion and pigeons. <laughs> maybe they do double takes like Katie Oh, maybe Bond. they do. Double take pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed this. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's very much in the mold of the last movie where Oh, yeah. It's just crazy action sequences kind of held together by some sort of a plot that may or may not make sense. And, you know, later on, we'll get into the details of that plot, I guess. But I don't think Ethan should have died as many times this time as he did in the last movie. No, uh, there were a couple times on the train. Um, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the train. There's a moment in the subway that I'm not quite sure how he managed out of that I one. I don't know how he did that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and when they when they when they flipped the Fiat and neither of them were injured at all. Yeah. And they somehow ended up in opposite seats. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of the Fiat, and I don't know if this was intentional, I was noticing a lot of homages to other movies. Okay. Um, I immediately was thinking of the chase from you uh, for your eyes only with the Fiat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, for it's a Citroen. Yeah. yeah, it was a Citroen in that movie, but little dinky yellow car being chased by in, including the part where they roll down the hill uh <laughs> yeah which also made me think of the born identity with going down the stairs in a, in mm -hmm. a little car there there were a few homages i thought to the the series there was there's a scene where at the towards the beginning of the movie when ethan hunt and kittredge are talking and i was noticing a lot of dutch angles and i don't know if that was kind of channeling Brian De Palma's shooting mm. of those scenes 
I didn't even pick up on there that. Was, there were, that would make sense. There were a lot of like upshots at weird angles whenever the two of them are in a scene together, or when Kittredge is in scenes mostly. And that would make sense, since, as we know, Kittredge is a character who last appeared mm-hmm. in the first Mission Impossible yeah. movie. Yeah, it was nice to see him come back. Mm-hmm. Doing his usual thing. I was hoping Barnes would be back, but I guess he's probably retired by now. Yeah, probably. Uh, his his assistant guy. So we got a lot of returning people. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the usual Ving Rhames and Sam and Peg coming back and doing their usual stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson comes back. And yep. She's been... Third movie in a row, yep. yeah. She's quickly becoming one of those people that I tend to... I will I will watch something if she's in it anymore. Oh, yeah. Like uh, I don't know if you watch Silo. I love. I thought she was Silo. great in Silo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, of course, in the Dune movies now, she's a big mm-hmm. part of that. Oh, I saw a trailer for Dune before. Yes, this and it looks so. Yes, good. I'm actually not upset anymore about uh, Christopher Walken being cast as the Emperor anymore because he. No, I think it works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm definitely looking forward to that when it comes out. Let's see, Vanessa Kirby comes back. She's from the from Fallout. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some things to comment on later when we get into spoilers about some things that's going on with her that don't quite jive with what we know about her before. Uh, and then a whole bunch of new people, too. Most notably Haley Atwell. Haley Atwell, yep. Who I'm always down to see Haley Atwell in a movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of hers. It feels weird to have both Haley Atwell and Rebecca Ferguson mm. in the movie. Like, how many badass British women does Tom Cruise need in his life? <laughs> well, I mean, Rebecca Ferguson's not British, but... Well, oh, you're... Okay, <laughs> you are correct. How many uh, badass British women does Ethan Hunt there need you in go. his life? Because <laughs> yep. her character yes, is British. that is true. <laughs> you're right, she is Australian. <laughs> no, she's Swedish. Swedish? Yeah. Really? Yep. Okay. I'm way wrong on that. She's on the list um, with Joel Kinnaman among Swedish people you'd never would guess were Swedish. (laughs) Yeah. No, I honestly thought she was Australian. There must be another actress I'm thinking of who is Australian. There are multiple actresses who are Australian, but I don't know which one I'm confusing her with. (laughs) One of the Rebecca's, maybe. I don't know. Uh Rebecca Romaine is not Australian. No, she's not. She's not Australian. <laughs> Ace Morales turns up as the main like physical villain of the movie. I I'm not that familiar with him other than I recognized him from things, but I can't really point to what they are. I, yeah, no, he's definitely a guy who has been in things that I've yeah. seen. Yeah, and I think he's quite good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thrown a bit by Palm Clementif, who I'm mostly think of as being from the Marvel films and she's very much not Mantis in this movie. No. Uh, Actually, she's channeling a lot of um, Famke Janssen from Goldeneye, I thought, where she's taking a lot of delight in destroying things and she even tries to strangle Ethan Hunt with her legs at one point. But I think she's quite good and I'm not I'm not that familiar with her work other than the Marvel films, so I didn't know what to expect from there. And I thought she was quite excellent. Yeah, there's an amusing scene. We I think at one point we were talking we were reading through the IMDb thing and we noticed like 
oh, and Dira Varma's in this, and she's in one scene at the beginning of the movie along with Mark yeah. Gatiss and Charles Parnell and Rob Delaney and <laughs> a few other faces. Yeah, because that... I, I, I'm always happy to see Indira Varma in yeah. something. So, yeah, I was like, oh, cool. And that, and she seemed important at first because she was given a lot of exposition. Mm-hmm. And then, nope. nope. <laughs> so, I don't know. What can we talk about that won't be spoilery? I guess I was surprised at how little of the previous movie actually impacts this film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, I was expecting it to be a direct sequel. Yeah, and, I mean... I mean, in a way, it is, but... It, it is, it's but... It's its that, own story. Yeah, like, um... Solomon Lane has nothing to do with this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angela Bassett's not in it, although her picture's on the wall in one of the early scenes I noticed. At least I think it was Angela Bassett. It was kind of out of focus, but I'm assuming that's who it was. But, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's obviously a sequel, and there's things that connect the movies together, but it's, it's really a whole new story. I guess it feels like it's sort of wrapping things up in a way, but... I don't know. And I'm honestly struggling to think of what we can say without spo- spoiling the movie. I mean, <laughs> when we talked about Haley Atwell, I think her character is very interesting. She's kind of a oh, yeah. pickpocket thief something. I, I I don't know. She's somebody who's wanted in a lot of jurisdictions, I guess. For a lot of things. For a lot of yeah. things. It's, it's interesting to see her as kind of a kind of over her head. Like she's very she's very what you expect from Haley Atwell early on in the movie when she's kind of in control. But once she's put in out in a circumstance beyond what she thought she was in, she's a little more unsure of herself than what I'm used to seeing. But going back to like, you know, her role in, again, the Marvel movies primarily, she's typically the one who's got it all figured out and everything. And it was interesting seeing her play somebody who's not like that at all. I don't know. I mean, I I enjoyed the movie a lot. Um, I'm curious to see where it's going to go in the second part. We can talk about that when we go into spoilers. And maybe we should just go ahead and do that because I'm kind of struggling to think of what we can say about it. Well, we can mention that this movie was delayed quite a bit. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Uh, I mean, this movie was supposed to come out in 2021. And obviously, you know, with COVID, they had to delay filming. Interestingly, it is not the the delay between Fallout and Dead Reckoning Part One is not the longest gap between Mission Impossible movies. That would be Mission Impossible Two to Mission Impossible Three. Yeah, not quite for the same reasons though. Fallout was a big success, mm-hmm. and if they had been able to get this out sooner to to ride on those coattails, they absolutely would have. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because Fallout was twenty eighteen, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this would have been right away uh it was originally slated to be released july 2021 uh they pushed it back to november and then september of 2022 and then january uh in january they pushed it back to uh when it came out uh july 14th and then they pushed it up to july 12th for whatever reason that it opened i don't know why they did that also there were some theaters that were showing it on monday too Mm -hmm. uh so weird yeah. Uh, but regardless, actually, it's funny if um, you can tell that Fallout was such a success because of how much they invested in this movie. Fallout had a budget of one hundred seventy eight million. This movie had a budget of two hundred ninety one million. Wow. 
Yeah. I wonder if some of that had to do with the delays. Possibly. You know, they probably had to keep some people paid <laughs> for for a while while they weren't filming. Yeah, they did. Definitely did some filming one. This was one of the earliest movies to like start filming again during the mm-hmm. pandemic. I remember that there was the viral video of Tom Cruise losing his shit at someone for not wearing a mask on set. Yep. Yep. Lots of uh, yeah, there were so many. I remember hearing that played a lot at one point. Just Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise and being crazy, and, and like actually, I agree with him on this. No, one. in this, this is one of those yeah. instances where I like completely agree yeah. with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Yeah. There are many instances where I do not. But nope. Oh, I, I'll also we can also say um, it looks like 96 percent of critical reviews of this film are positive mm-hmm. with an average rating of eight out of ten. So yeah. The critics agree with us, I guess. I suspect it will be number one for the box office for this. Oh, weekend yeah. Once the numbers come in. I, I mean, the only- with. Indiana Jones is the other competitor, but that's been out for a week at this point. Yeah, and I haven't seen it, so I don't know, you know, what the buzz is on I, that. I but. actually really enjoyed Indiana Jones. Okay. But I think this one was a better movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so just before we get into spoilers, a couple of things. Uh, according to IMDb Trivia, which of course is correct in all things, uh, <laughs> it does say the frequent delays caused by COVID-19 ballooned the film's budget to $290 million, making it the most expensive Mission Impossible film and the most expensive film of Tom Cruise's career. That's wild. Uh, yeah. While filming in Italy, 12 people on the set tested positive for COVID. As a result, when filming resumed in the UK, Tom Cruise personally paid 500,000 pounds for an old cruise ship for the cast and crew to isolate on. Oh, I remember reading yeah. about that. And we've talked about this before, but uh, Tom Cruise is now older than John Voight was in the first Mission Impossible movie. He filmed the movie initially. He was 57. He's 59 when the film wrapped filming and he's now 61 years old and he does not look it <laughs> no but you know when you have tom cruise money you can you can do tom cruise things yeah i mean uh how many you know, you know it wouldn't surprise me if the uh, church of silent scientology is doing all sorts of weird things to keep tom cruise young <laughs> okay so so this movie um we, we start off with a somewhat extended submarine sequence that immediately made me think of Hunt for Red October. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I always love a good submarine sequence. Uh, I, to go to another movie, I've also seen War Games, so I had a sneaky suspicion that this ship that they were firing on was not a real thing. Yeah, same. Uh, <laughs> that the computer... The AI system that's in the submarine was trying to trick them into. I thought that there was a real submarine there and it was trying to trick them into firing on it. I thought, yes, I, I was thinking j- sort of a yeah. James Bond situation, starting a war or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, well, there's no way an American sub just fired. on No, them. no. But it turns out that it's all fake, except for the torpedo that they shot that then comes around and uh, still in Skarsgård style comes back and hits them and uh, sinks the sub with the AI so system. In this whole scene, like the se- the part that really stood out to me, mm-hmm. I don't know why, just be- I guess just the visual of it 
was as the dead sailors were floating up to the surface when yeah. they hit the ice and sort of bounced off it for a sec. Yeah, that was just really good yeah. visual. Mm-hmm. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have uh, there's this weird key thing that I I just watched. Uh, uh, Indiana they Jones. Refer to it as the crucifix. Well, I was about to say, I just I just watched Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade again, and to hear them talk <laughs> about the cruciform key just made me think of that movie again. <laughs> Such a weird way. I know word right? to use. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are there's a couple parts of this movie that made me think it was written by Dan Brown, and that's one of them. <laughs> um, the, the other one is the bomb in the in the airport that has the the um, mm-hmm. cryptex thing on it. Plus all the stuff in Venice. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. But then apparently somehow Ilsa Faust gets part of one of the keys because the key comes apart, you know, and I don't quite understand how she got that. But I guess they had to have a way of getting her into the movie. Uh, yeah, we get our first. Um, fake mask or not fake mask but a f- mask in the movie real here. mask real fake mask person. fake person uh in the scene with that we were talking about before so, <laughs> did you think that was going to be tom cruise or did you think that was going to be somebody working for the ai that was about to kill them yeah movie? so i knew that there was an actor in the movie who was working for the ai going into it because you know that's just part of the marketing and i thought it was that guy like, I thought mm-hmm. he was there to kill everybody. And I was like, yeah, oh, I guess Kittredge isn't in this movie very long. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that did surprise me when it turned out to be Ethan uh, in the mask. Um, I, I enjoy. <laughs> so Carrie Elwes turns up as the director of national intelligence. Yeah. And I did not recognize that as <laughs> Carrie Elwes yeah. for some reason. Like, I, I think it was just the, the hair and the glasses threw me off. Maybe I loved his like he reacts in such a way when he finds out about the IMF and he even he finds somebody finally mentions the international monetary fund. I was so glad to hear <laughs> yeah, that no. because I think that every time I hear IMF. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mean the world bank? And they're like, no, no, that's the international monetary fund. This is the impossible mission force. And he's like, oh, what? <laughs> what does he say? Like they leave word or something like that. When when they need help, they leave word or something. He says something like that, and yeah. he's just like, what? "What?" But yeah, it's the the usual mission where they have to find the two parts of this key that come apart and <laughs> and bring it back because whoever has the key apparently can control this AI system, I guess, that was installed in the submarine. At least that's what and we're yet told. None of them know where the thing that they plug the key into is. No. The only person who knows it is on the submarine is Carrie Elwes. Apparently. Which seems unlikely, but okay. Well, he says that he, he, at the end of the movie, he says that he took very careful steps to make sure he was the only one who knew. Yeah. It's just interesting that they all know the key is important, but none of them know what the key is for. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sort of reminds me of like, you know, just it's just a MacGuffin. I mean, it's mm-hmm. one of the movies that they're showing over at the, the local theater. They showed a trailer for it was Tenet. And it just it's like that weird, like thing they build in in Tenet mm-hmm. that they don't quite know what it's for. But it's I've actually still not. seen. Oh, Tenet. really? OK, I need to. Yeah, it just, it came out 
at a time when I was not going to the movie theater because of COVID. Because of COVID, yeah. No, I saw it on the. I haven't seen it on the big screen. I've only seen it on the small screen. Yeah, we find we we you know we find a way to get Ilsa Faust back involved in the movie. We think she's dead at one point very early on in the film, which I didn't think she was dead. No, I didn't either. Uh, sort of like, you know. Spock in Star Trek Two in the simulator sequence, I guess. You know? <laughs> well, like I feel like we see we saw other scenes with her in the trailer, like that we already knew. She yeah, did. yeah. And we see other scenes in the in the you know the the uh, opening credit sequence, but that happens like thirty minutes into the movie. So <laughs> I think it was actually placed well, though. Even yeah, though it was far in. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I heard somebody, you know, I saw somebody on online complain about like how it's it's spoilery. I'm like, it's only spoilery after like after you've seen the movie. Yeah, when you haven't seen the movie, you have no idea what those scenes are. It's like saying the the intro to Battlestar Galactica is spoiler. Well, there's one episode in particular where I think it's very spoilery, but oh, which one? In um, whatever the episode is when um, Callie gets killed, because they show Rika Sharma hit her and she goes flying, and and they show her like hitting the button. To open the oh. thing, and I'm like, come on. Yeah, I also want to say that was in the promo for that episode back in the day. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that's also bad. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't say this for sure. I mean, this was, you know, yeah. 15 years ago. Right. But at the time, like, I feel I remember that not being a surprise at all when I watched that scene. Okay. But usually those scenes are not spoils. Spoilers. Spoilers. Well, you, yeah, until you've seen the episode and then you mm-hmm. you see what the, what has to do. On with. a rewatch, it's a good way for you to be like, oh, it's this episode. Yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's when this happens. Um, so there's there's a scene in the movie that in all the stuff in the airport, which I think was really fun, uh, mm-hmm. where they're spoofing the the facial detection mm-hmm. and uh, the the guy. Shea Wiggum, I forget his character's name, but he keeps stopping people because he's going after Ethan Hunt because, you know, why not? That's what's his job. And they keep stopping random people. Uh, this is when we run into Grace for the first time. She, you know, she picks the pocket of somebody who has the key. And then we, we get a, a callback to the, the disc thing, the, the disc magic trick that Jasper Ethan Hunt does. Jasper Briggs is the character. Jasper, OK, Briggs. Yeah. Yeah. OK. I don't know if we ever hear the name Jasper. No, I, I think he is called Briggs once or twice. Yeah, I think so. I don't yeah. think we actually hear his first name in okay. in the movie. Yeah. But yeah, I like the. There's a couple times Ethan Hunt does the thing with his hands and the sleight of hand that he did with the, the knock list in the first movie. Because, mm-hmm. again, they're obviously doing callbacks, I think, to the, the series at times. Mm-hmm. And he sees this weird guy who sort of disappears on his. He has these glasses on that have like a heads up display in them and the guy vanishes. Well, uh, remember, this was going to be the anniversary film. Right. True. That didn't happen because it came out two years later, but it was going right. to be the anniversary film. Which I think is important. We talked about this before we hit record. Uh, I think it's important to realize that this movie was written and mostly filmed. Well, it was entirely filmed uh, before chat GPT was a thing. And people were talking yes. about it and all the deep fake AI stuff. And the whole the whole crux of the movie is this AI system that is can they even say like early on that, oh, at first all it was doing was social media news. And we didn't care because it was 
good for us to do yeah. that. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it's like, whoa. This is definitely the most um, topical of yes. the movies. Uh, even accidentally topical in a way. Mm-hmm. It even opens with a submarine imploding at the on the bottom of the ocean. Oh, too soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said somebody complained about that in the theater. Yeah, um, <laughs> as I'm leaving my the theater, uh, I overheard a woman complaining that uh, it was in poor taste for them to show all those people dying on a submarine at the beginning of the movie so soon after the Ocean Gate disaster. Because I guess in her mind, they made this movie in two weeks. Well, they should have cut, recut the movie. I mean, the submarine isn't important. It's only the entire also, thrust of the movie. It's a little much to, you know, yeah. say that, you know, it's not like that was that. It's not like that was 9-11 or something. That right. Was, uh that was a rich guy ignored safety warnings and got got a couple people killed. A, That's not quite the same thing. Got four other rich people killed because... I do feel bad for the 19-year-old kid. I do. I'll probably cut this out, but I just feel that that is the future of space tourism right there. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's absolutely going to happen when we start doing space tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you think... So there's a, there's a bunch of cat and mouse stuff at the airport, and at one point Grace sneaks away and goes beyond the glass wall and gets on her plane to go to Rome. And Ethan's trying to escape and he gets up on the roof of the airport. I thought he was going to like jump on the plane that she was on or something I like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which he did do in one of the previous movies. He jumped onto a plane. I think it was Rogue Nation when he's like, I'm, yeah, not, I think so. I'm not in the plane. I'm on the plane. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought he was going to jump on the plane as well. Mm hmm. But he doesn't need to because he's she's arrested um, when she gets to Rome and he's posing as her lawyer. Uh, well played, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think this is when we find out about this Gabriel guy a little bit more. Um, I struggle a little bit because a major point of this movie is he saw Gabriel kill some woman that he was somewhat involved with in the past that we had never heard of or seen before. I assume we'll get more of that in the second movie. Maybe. Yeah. But for now, it seems a little bit of convenient uh, retconning going on here. I mean, obviously, they couldn't do it because of the way the film worked. But if it had been like Jean Reno or some, you know, like from the first film, and Mm -hmm. it was all about him killing uh, Kirsten Scott Thomas... Or, you know, something yeah. like that, you know, like the, that we never see him again. And mm-hmm. although I thought about that scene um, mm-hmm. when uh, Ethan got locked behind that gate. Yeah. And and that's that was a really interesting fight that mm-hmm. they, in that the close quarters there with, you know, henchman number six and, <laughs> and Palm Clementif. Uh, Harris was her character. Yes. Thinking of her driving that Humvee over various things uh, <laughs> in that chase sequence. She was super happy about doing it. Too. She enjoyed it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Um, Cause like in, in golden eye, when she would like shoot up people and she would oh, be like, yes. you know, get all excited and <laughs> turned uh, on by the idea of like killing people and stuff. And yeah. <laughs> or, or the, I always think of also that, that scene uh, when he drives the tank onto the train tracks and the train's coming and she's like, he's, he's going to derail us. <laughs> And she gets has that look on her face like she's 
aroused by the idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then randomly, it seemed to me, uh, the White Widow from last movie comes back. Yes. Uh, who still doesn't know that Ethan Hunt is Ethan Hunt. Um, but we I were... like how, just in case there were people watching this one who hadn't seen the other one, there was the throwaway line from Ben. She's like, does she still think you're that mass murderer, John Lark? <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, she was a CIA operative, right? Yeah. I thought last time. She certainly isn't now. No. And and Kittredge was identified as the running as the director of the CIA, wasn't he? Yes, and he hadn't seen her since she was a small girl. Yeah. So yeah, that was weird. That's weird. I mean, she's she's written as the arms dealer person that we think she is for most of Fallout but isn't. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I thought that was a little weird or at least inconsistent. Uh Yeah. Zola is not inconsistent. He's still an asshole. Uh, yes. <laughs> I enjoyed um, when um, Haley Atwell is taking her place mm-hmm. and she comes out of the, the train compartment and he says, you changed. And she says, you never do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we have the get the the gag from, I believe it was the third one. It's either the third or the fourth. I can't remember. No, it's the fourth one where the mask where the mask uh, printing machine breaks. Yes. So he can't be. So Ethan Hunt can't be Zola. Yes. And we have to uh, figure out another way to sneak him because originally they were going to replace both of them. Yeah. That seemed convenient. (laughs) Well, that was so he could have that ridiculous motorcycle parachute jump. Oh, man. Which we all knew How was coming because that was like the door the the window of the train <laughs> is what I wanted. I know. I love a good train sequence. Oh yeah. Um, I love stuff on trains. And this was obviously reminding me of the first one. Yes. Um, I thought the fighting on the train was good. There were moments that made me think of um, Speed, where they kept having things go by their head and. Um, which I don't think you've seen, actually. I still have not yeah. seen it since the last time it came up on this podcast. Okay. Uh, which I think was when we were talking about Spy. Or not Spy, uh, Spy Hard. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> we definitely talked about, because there was a speed gag in Spy That's Hard. right. Yes, yes, there was a, yeah. Oh, God, that movie. <laughs> this movie was better than yeah. Spy Hard. Yes, we say that pretty much every week. Um, yeah, I thought... Uh, I thought, I mean, we're jumping around, obviously. I thought the, 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 uh, Lost World-esque ending with the train, I thought was a bit of gilding the lily, uh, as far as the action went. Um, I would have been fine with them having the, because the train is out of control and they blow up the bridge and I would have been just perfectly fine if they decoupled the cars and the train stopped, just the cars stopped just in time. Yes. Um, whereas in the movie... You know, multiple train train cars go over the edge and they have to climb up and get out. And it, I mean, it's fun, mm-hmm. but I also thought it was kind of like a little unnecessary. Yes. The the piano scene wasn't. Yeah. The pi- yeah. Well, I was thinking of like when they're in the 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 galley car and like the the French fry grease is flying around and the gas stove is there and then the whole thing explodes and. Yeah. yeah, that's a yeah. 
So my problem with that is that when the gas line gets pulled, the flame on the stove should have gone out. <laughs> yeah, excellent point. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> like, yes, it's a problem that gas is filling this drain. But since the gas is now filling the drain, it's no longer going to those burners. Nope. <laughs> No. And and perhaps an homage to the first movie, that explosion with the fireball throws them forward into the next train car. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely, definitely a train fan in general. There's a fun car chase when they're in Venice. I think they're, no, it was in Rome because they go to Venice later with the, with the Fiat and Ethan can't figure out how to start the Fiat. It's a little bit of a Tomorrow Never Dies moment where they're handcuffed, where she... Ethan and Grace are handcuffed together and they have to navigate uh-huh. that stuff. Uh, at some point, she manages to get her handcuff off and handcuffs Ethan to the steering wheel of the car just as they're about to get hit by a subway train. And I'm not quite sure how In Ethan... In her defense, the subway train wasn't there when she left. That's true. Like, yeah. she didn't intend it as a, mur- as a way to murder Ethan. No, that's true. <laughs> I don't know how he got the steering wheel off the car. I was wondering that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's a funny moment when he walks mm-hmm. out of the tunnel and he's holding the steering wheel in his hand. <laughs> yeah, and then when he sees the the operatives looking for him and he tries to, like, act natural and he, like, puts a, the other hand on the steering wheel and he's like, <laughs> yeah. hey, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, <yes. laughs> yeah. Alana, the White Widow, has a party. And yet another, she, she likes to throw these raves, I guess. Um, I guess. That... I guess is being thrown by the AI, the, what they call way. the entity. Yes. And this is when we find about how the entity has concluded that either Grace or Ilsa is going to be killed for reasons. And I guess we find out later because the whole idea is uh, the AI is trying to protect itself and Ethan wants to turn it off. And it thinks that if it kills one of those, if one of those two women dies, Ethan might kill Gabriel, I guess. Out of I revenge. Um, I'm not exactly thrilled that they killed Ilsa Faust in this movie. No. Um, I I like her role. I like her character. I like Rebecca Ferguson in the part. And it seemed like Ethan got over it pretty quickly. Yeah, well, he had he had uh, grace to. Well, yeah. You know, it, it, it it's hard to mourn. It's hard to mourn your, uh, you know. British brunette compatriot when you can just replace her with another, with another one. Compatriot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It felt weird that both Rebecca Ferguson and Haley Atwell were in this movie. Well, not for the whole one or the whole movie anyway. Um, <laughs> too soon, Carl. Too, too soon. soon. I always felt like they couldn't quite decide if they were going to go full romantic relationship with the two of them or not with Ilsa yes. and Ethan. Um, oh, yeah, there was. But there was always that tension there. Yeah, sure. of course. Now that his Ethan's wife is no longer in the picture, I guess. Like, I don't know if they ever officially got divorced. Yeah, because I mean, she's, she's married remarried. to that other guy. So oh, that's true. She married Wes Bentley. So, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to figure out where this movie is going to go because they they practically wrapped up everything. Well, except for the fact that. Well, other than the fact that the key, they have the key now. Yeah, but Gabriel's still out. Gabriel's there. still out there. He doesn't have the key, which I thought was 
a fun little twist that I didn't quite expect. I was expecting Paris to die before explaining that Sevastopol was a submarine. Yes. And that the next movie was going to open with them in Sevastopol. (laughs) (laughs) Trying every door. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Ethan's better than me. I didn't realize Sevastopol was a city, but so I mean, I guess it would be, but a minor nitpick on my part. Yeah. How did Gabriel's watch? How did he set that clock timer to know exactly when he was going to pass over that truck? Hmm. Because he didn't. Yeah. What part of the train are you on? Yeah. And I don't think like it's not like he waited until the exact precise GPS coordinates to get the train to its fastest speed to calculate this. Like, I wonder if the AI did it. Maybe like the the entity thing is calculating based on where he is because it probably has GPS in his watch or something, you know, like it's saying, yeah, jump now. I just think it would have been better if rather than him checking his watch, he would like look around every once in a while and be like, oh, I'm and thinking, oh, I'm approaching that that bridge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we know that there's a submarine still at the bottom of the ocean somewhere. So we're going to go all abyss with that and try to get down to it at some point, I would imagine, in the next movie. Yep. Uh, but I mean, so Rebecca Ferguson is is no longer with us. Uh, well, I should say Ilsa Faust is no longer with us. Um Paris is dead. Carrie Elwes was killed because apparently he was doing the usual American bureaucrat nonsense of like, mm-hmm. well, I'm going to get the key and we can form our a new nation state and do do what we want to do. And Gabriel had wanted nothing to do with it and slashed his throat. Yeah. And Ketridge was trying to do his own thing, too, but he wasn't trying to do it for all for like bad reasons. Yeah, I, I, I did enjoy the. That when he tells Briggs, you know, I'm not here. Yeah. And then and then later he asks what's going on. He's like, well, since you're not here, it won't concern you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I like the callback very early in the movie when when Ethan is pretending to be the random attache guy. Mm-hmm. And and one of Kittridge's first lines to him is, I, I, I see you're very upset or something like that, which is a direct reference to the first movie. Mm hmm. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of connective tissue here with some of the movie, the better movies, I guess. (laughs) And they kind of ignore some of the other ones. Like, I don't I don't remember there being a reference to Mission Impossible 2 in this movie. (laughs) Oh, you didn't see the pigeons? No, I didn't see any pigeons. Well, maybe. (laughs) I mean, there's a line about how uh, I think Gabriel says something about how Ethan uses these women who are in situations and then he then they end up getting hurt because he's using them for his own means. And I don't think he's wrong. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, like there's Naya in the, th- in the second movie, certainly she's not dead at the end of the movie, but she has a rough go of it. She ends up getting the plague and everything and, <laughs> and nearly infecting the entire continent of Australia at one point. Oh, yeah, I f- I'd forgotten the plot of Mission Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> It's easy to forget. I still want them to release the Wu cut. Mm. Maybe it's maybe the four hour version is way better. I don't know. Could it be worse? It could be longer and that would be worse. I mean, it is longer, but if it's still the same you know, stuff. Speaking but, about that sort of thing, though, yeah. I I still have not watched the Snyder cut. 
but <laughs> I have heard from people whose opinion I trust that mm-hmm. it is actually better than the original version of Justice League, which is a low bar to be fair. Yeah. No, I mean we've talked about that. It, it, oh, you have you seen it? Yeah. 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 Okay. If you don't mind, you for- were probably one of the people that told me this. Then. Yeah, I mean it's it's it certainly handles the 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 stuff better than the Joss Whedon version, as long as you can handle a four three aspect ratio. And <clears throat> a movie that's way too long. I I read his like supposed justification for the four three aspect ratio, mm-hmm. and no, there is nothing more out your ass than justifying releasing a movie in four by three aspect ratio. Right, when nobody has a four by three TV anymore. Correct. <laughs> well, to be fair, n- no one has a twenty one nine TV either. True, but well, I also don't think that TV shows should be released that way. Looking at you, Star Trek. Uh, there is no reason to release a TV show in a cinematic aspect ratio. No, other than you can. It's because uh, Alex Kurtzman thinks they look better that way. That is li- literally the reason mm-hmm. he's on record saying that he's the reason they do that. Hmm. I would be fine with a 16 by 9 and just a full screen image. Yeah. But... Uh, or at least uh, Discovery Season 1 was not 16-9, but it was... Um, to one, mm. which is very close to yeah. sixteen nine. I mean, right. it's not, but no. you know, that would be sixteen eight. <laughs> right. Yes. But <laughs> what it what it comes down to is, and that's what a lot of things are shot at. Like most of Netflix's original shows are two one, mm-hmm. um, and it looks better on a sixteen nine screen. You just have tiny little, very small black bars at the top and bottom. Like Zack Snyder's four by three, you can take a hike but like i understand why tng was remastered in four by three because it had well, to yes. be yes because yeah was i mean there crap some... in the frame yeah and i'm glad they didn't just decide to crop all the scenes well it'd be funny because everybody would just be standing like like if they did if if there weren't like stands and light things and, and boom mics in, in view. Yeah, all the action would all be, the action would be the like frame. in the middle of the frame or off to mm-hmm. the side. You know, everyone would be standing way too close to each other. And I think that's, if we ever get DS9 and HD, that's probably what it'll be. Um, because they have said that they did shoot that with the frame protected. Mm. So my guess is we're going to get that. And that, in general, looks okay. Uh, there's, a, there's a few shows that have been remastered that way. Yeah. Um, the, one, the one that I hate is when they take it and they cut the top and bottom off to make it 16.9. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a couple Kubrick films that they did that with, actually. Um, I, I think The Shining is actually was shot 4x3. Or, I mean, he intended it to be 4x3, and then they show it mm-hmm. widescreen, and they just lop the top and the bottom off the image. They don't do this anymore, but it used to be every movie on HBO was cropped to 16.9. Hmm. We could do that with... Uh, was it Star Trek Six that's shot in a weird aspect ratio? I think. There are so many different versions of Star Trek Six. I know. It's absurd. <laughs> the purple version. Uh, I, I was the um the the four K release of the director's edition is a very good version. Okay, I just got those actually. Nice. Yeah. I don't have anything to play them on. That's the problem, but. <laughs> Well, you have the digital codes, so you can. Yeah. Well, I don't have a I don't have a 4K TV, either. Ah. So. Well, there's that. Oh well. Yeah, but even the 1080p version looks better. Mm-hmm. 
the 1080p version that comes with the 4K is still the new transfer. Yeah. Although now I'm trying to think, the 1080p Star Trek 6, the 1080p it do, does not have the director's edition. It's only on the 4K version. Yeah. It's the theatrical version, so you don't get Colonel West. Oh. I want my Linear version. Clean their chronometers. Clean their chronometers. <laughs> this is what Klingon blood. <laughs> not in this movie, anyway. I love that we saw that in Lower Decks, then. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, so do you have any, anything else to think say about this movie? No, I. it was a good time. Yeah. Glad to see it. Uh, great action movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun to watch in the theater. Looking forward to watching the next one next year. Yeah, me too. And I'm sure we'll probably revisit this again when when the... The when the Blu-ray comes, comes out, the Blu-ray we'll comes do out. A, a more in-depth look yes. at this one, I think. Yeah, we'll <laughs> walk through it. I mean, I'm I'm just going off of my memory from the movie. I just saw it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, and I saw it several hours ago, so I'm a little hazier than you, probably. But yeah, definitely, um, I wouldn't put it quite at the top. Uh, I think I liked it better than Fallout. I think 3 is still my favorite. Okay. It's either 3 or uh, Rogue Nation are probably Rogue my Nation two favorites. Rogue Nation is also really good. yeah. But no, this is this is a perfectly fun, well-made action movie, and I I appreciate all of the like real stuff they do, and it's not just CGI fake movie stuff. It's a lot of the the stunts and everything are done for real, and and it it shows. I think it it it's a mm-hmm. well-made movie. So yeah, that's gonna be it. I think for the Mission Impossible series for now, at least until Dead Reckoning Part One comes out on DVD or well, not DVD on Blu-ray. Well, it'll uh, also come out it on DVD. It, maybe even VHS. I don't know. Uh, I, I, no. I doubt it. I don't think they do that anymore. Uh, uh, there are... The, there is a hipster VHS scene, which is just terrible. That doesn't surprise me. But no, there are not major studio releases on VHS. No. no. Oh, no. Beta. It's still one of my favorite jokes ever in in Simpsons. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think next time we're going to jump over to the Bourne series and start talking about them, which means we need to go and finish rewatch finish watching them all. Yeah. Yep, we but, should finish that. Yes, yeah. we should record those soon. <laughs> we should. <laughs> Especially because we, at this point, have only two more episodes Two more episodes recorded. in the can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if we don't want to take a long hiatus, we should record episodes again. We should. Do we have an outro to this episode, this podcast? I, no. Okay. I'm, I'll say... I'm so used to <laughs> Infinite Diversity where we have a whole polished thing going on. I know. We're, we, we just half-ass everything on our, shi- yeah. on our show here. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, all I'm going to say is uh, License of Spiel will return next time with The Born Identity. Dun-dun-dun!